So nutrition, we'll talk about nutrition today. We'll talk about carbohydrates, fats, proteins, vitamins, and minerals. Um, those five groups of uh, nutrients that we consume on a daily basis. And uh, our focus point is going to be on uh, the kind of uh, therapeutic diets and their consistency. We look at um, what are the nursing management for this different diet. We look at uh, enteral nutrition. We talk about gluten-free diet, diet that has to do with protein-restricted diet. All oh, these are very important when it comes to the ankles. So we'll, we'll look at them one at a time. Now, nutrients, there are five groups of nutrients. Carbohydrates are the preferred source of energy. The first one is carbohydrates, and uh, carbohydrates are the preferred source of energy. Now, they use the word prefer because other, 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 other food group could be source of energy, or it could be different, there are different sources of energy, but carbohydrate is the most preferred source of energy we get from food. That's where you have the sugar, the starches, um, you have like a cellulose and other things everything in there now carbohydrate promotes normal fat metabolism it spares protein and it also helps the body to enhance lower gi uh lower it enhances lower gi function now uh, carbohydrates major source of carbohydrate could be from milk um like uh, if you get it from whole grains fruits Vegetables and other things you get carbohydrate from there, like apple. Apple holds 15 grams of sugar. One apple has about 15 grams of sugar in one apple. So um, if you eat an apple, apple contains carbohydrate, it contains sugar. Sugar is carbohydrate. They have different categories of sugar. They have monosaccharide, polysaccharide, and they have different kind of sugar. So it contains sugar. Now, then you have uh, fats. Fats is also a source uh fat provide a source and a store form of energy now fats in itself also provide energy that's what i said carbohydrate is the prefer is the most preferred source so fat also provides energy but it provides store energy for the body so because when we do not take in carbohydrates um the body tend to our fat storages to get energy from those storage, break those storages down and use by the cells and the cells can produce can work for us through provision of energy to those cells. That's what happened with fat. Fat is also important because fats protect internal organs. So the so you have fat surroundings like the heart, right? The heart has fat. It has a very good fat, which you call the the, the uh, like look at like like, like 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 the HDL. So in a sense uh these fats and other things, uh, they, also, uh, they are found somewhere in the body that protects internal organs. That's the main function of, of the of fat. And fat also enhances in, uh, vitamins absorption. Okay, for the fat-soluble vitamins, uh, when you ha should have at least fat provides 9 kilo per gram. That's what fat provides for us. The amount of fat, uh, the more energy fat provides for us. Um, inadequate intake of this fatty acid leads to um, clinical symptoms. It could be like cold, skin lesion, and increased risk of infection. If we do not take in the amount of fats we need, we're going to have core intolerance. And uh, in core intolerance, that is wherein your body cannot provide, uh, the body cannot provide warm because we get heat from fats. So when the body has too much fat, you always feel warm. The body has lesser fat, you always feel cold. So someone who is obese will always feel warm compared to someone who is very skinny. So when you are skinny, you always cold. Now, um, also, um, Inadequate use of fat can lead to amenorrhea in women. It can lead to increased risk of infection. 
So all those facts have facts have some important uh or 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 aspect to do with uh, these organs and these things I'm talking about. So, and again, despite facts is needed for our body, we cannot consume in high amount. If we do in high amount, it leads to um other condition like obesity and other fat condition gonna occur. For protein, proteins we call proteins for its lower stage is called amino acids. Uh, proteins are amino acids. That is the constituent unit of proteins, amino acids. Um, they are critical to all aspects of growth and development. So protein plays major role in our growth and development. It also plays a role in fluid regulations. It maintains acid-based balance. It produces antibodies for the body it also provides energy and also produces enzymes and hormones those are the functions of proteins now we have essential amino acid you have non-essential amino acid um these amino acids are they have different function two about one we call the phenylalanine. name we do pku phenylketonuria so in that particular condition, you have an amino acid in there called phenylalanine. The one for growth, growth tissue, bone growth, like arginine, histamine, or uh, histamine. Those are all different kind of amino acid that the body needs to grow, which is not really important for our today's class. Just going through them so you can have an idea on them. Um, then you have uh, the vitamins. The vitamins facilitate metabolism of proteins fats carbohydrate and they can also act as catalysts for metabolic function so without vitamins our body cannot work well because the body needs vitamins to metabolize this four group of or this other three group of nutrients carbohydrates proteins and fats they are broken down they are utilized by the body through the help of those vitamins and that's why when you have a vitamin deficiency your body goes into that uh, state in, in into that state wherein uh, it's going to show some other sorts of symptoms that's the function of a uh, of vitamins vitamins promote life and growth process it also regulate other body functions like you have uh the fat soluble vitamins they are the vitamin a d e k vitamin a vitamin d vitamin k they are called fat Fat soluble vitamin A, D, E, K. These vitamins are fat soluble. So they are many. They can be dissolved. They can be absorbed in uh, in fat. So they are fat soluble. So the other one you have the B complex vitamins, vitamin K, vitamin E, vitamin C. Those ones are water soluble vitamins. Now um. Then we have the minerals. The minerals are also components of our hormones, our cells, our tissues, and our bones. So you have the bone minerals. The mineral that contains in the bones, in the tissues, in the cells, in the hormones are all coming from mineral group of nutrients. Now, these minerals act as catalysts. They enhance or they propel um, the chemical reaction. Of the cells function so they are the one that cause the cell to have different cell function when it comes when it comes to this mineral um when you have mineral deficiency it can develop into chronic illness that will lead to hospital so like you have bone fragility the bone becomes fragile calcium is a mineral so when you have low level of calcium what happened it leads you to the hospital you have other things like uh, potassium is a mineral when you have potential deficiency, you have hypokalemia, you lead, it leads you to the hospital. Sodium, uh, magnesium, chloride, all those are all different minerals found in the body. If we have any deficiency in those minerals, it leads to hospitalization. That's how important minerals are. So these electrolytes, they play a major role in our fluid balance, in our water regulation, in osmodality. It plays major role in neuromuscular activity, and they all have independent roles they play in our body.
that's just a background of these five different group of food groups. Now, what is important for you to do is to look at each one of these groups and look at how what could be the best source or the best sources for us to get them. So, about potassium, what's the best source of potassium in the U.S.? Magnesium, chloride. You talk about uh, sodium. What what can we get like vitamins? Vitamin A, D, K. Where do we get it? Where do we get these different nutrients from? It is important to understand. Like, like for calcium, you can have, get it from broccoli. Broccoli. You have milk. You have tofu. You have yogurt. All of those things are all rich sources for what for calcium. You have magnesium. You have like avocado. You have like uh, the cane white tuna, the cauliflower. You have like the green different vegetables. All these things are all high in magnesium. So it is in, it is incumbent upon us to go and look at these things and know where we can get it from in very rich sources. Any question? Any question? Yeah, I said low fat leads to amenorrhea. I don't really, I, I, I don't really understand. This. So what happens is, 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 now, diet, there are different therapeutic diets. Um, in dieting, we want to always talk about nutritionists. Uh, we want to consult nutritionists for individual dietary recommendations. Um, we don't want to eat oversized portion. We want to like fill half of the plate with fruits and vegetables. We want to uh, look at various type of vegetables and fruits that we want to eat. Ensure that, ensure that we have some direct product, a direct group of food, high in calcium, drink milk, fat-free milk, eat proteins, and eat a well-balanced plate. We're going to contain fruits, Grains, grains contain the carbohydrates. The fruit contain portion of carbohydrates and proteins. You have the protein side. You have the vegetables. You have the diet. You have to have a like a like a, like a fortified uh, plate or a, a very unique and uh, balanced plate of food to eat every time you eat a, you get a meal. Now with therapeutic diet, I will start with the first one, which is the clear liquid diet. The first one is clear liquid diet now clear liquid diet what is clear liquid diet clear liquid diets talk about diet that provide that provide liquids or fluids and some electrolytes to prevent dehydration so in clear liquid diet will be that will provide uh, nutrients in the form of fluid or liquid that can prevent dehydration. That's the function of clear liquid diet, prevent dehydration. That's what happening when you're on a clear liquid diet. Now, in clear liquid diet, it can also be used to initiate feeding after the bowel has rested. Like after a surgery that uh, you have to rest the bowel, the patient went on MPO, to regain full diet, we begin with clear liquid diet. So it can be used to initiate or to return the patient on his or her full liquid, uh, full dietary needs. It is also initiated used to feed malnourished patients or a person who has not been on oral intake for some time. Um, during the during the civil crisis in in Liberia. Individuals who were starved across the land for a long period of time, when the United Nations started bringing in food or rations for various counties in, in, Monroe, uh, in Liberia, people who did not eat for more than a whole year, two years, when the first time they ate food, majority of them lost their lives. Now, people did not understand how it happened, but this is what happened. If the GI trial has not been introduced to solid food for a long period of time, you cannot reintroduce solid food to the GI tract abruptly. It must be done with stages. So we start with liquid diet. Clear liquid, go to food liquid, and we'll go on and on until we reach to 
regular diet. So unfortunately for those individuals who were caught in the uh, in that situation, they did not understand the science of nutrition. So they went back, like it been like two years, you're not eating rice, you're not eating, you're not eating anything like soup kind, you've been drinking water and just eating leaves in the bush. Then when they came to town, they had this rice, uh, they had this brown beans in the bed. People cooked it and ate it the first night and most of them just passed out and died because they did not understand the sound, the sound, the sound of nutrition. So this is what happened. So we use a clear liquid diet to return individuals who have not taken in solid food for a long period of time. It is the initial diet we use to introduce, introduce the solid foods. We also use the clear liquid diet as a bowel prep for surgery or other tests, if we have a surgical procedure, like like we want to do barium swallow, we want to do other tests uh, of the GI tract that require us to like enter enter the GI tract, we go on liquid diet to make sure food and other nutrients are not into the GI tract. Then before we can start uh, the procedure, we can also use the procedure uh, for a patient who is post op. And the client who has fever, vomiting, or diarrhea, when you have a very strong vomiting, you have a very severe vomiting case, you don't have anything in the mouth. Like in the case of hyperemesis gravidarum, patient is like vomiting profusely, mm -hmm. severely, and they have lost up to 5% of the body weight due to fuel imbalance. Mm -hmm. These individuals cannot be introduced with food, solid food, or any kind of food because they're going to still irritate or stimulate the GI tract is going to have more vomiting occurring. So we put it on NPO and just give them clear liquid fluid until they can be like a, um, a, a, a they can be like a accommodate food going into the GI tract. For this diet, we want to make sure uh, they are deficient, uh, there is not a deficient energy. Um, now, most of the clear liquid diet, they do not have enough energy source. But someone can have a little bit of energy so that we can rely on. So that's one of the disadvantages for clear liquid. They are deficient on energy source. Um, they are easily digested and they can be absorbed. That's why I want to give to patients who are having like who are weak, patients who are having like some problem. These are they have minimum residual and that is left in the GI tract. So if they drink like clear liquid diet, they do not have enough nutrients or residue remaining in the GI tract that must be evacuated. So that's why when they are going for bowel, bowel surgery, bowel procedure, we want to give them clear liquid diet so that they can they cannot have more more remaining remaining in their stomach or in the GI tract. We also um they can be included for short-term use. They are also um transparent to light and they are liquid at body temperature and are considered clear liquid, such as you have like water. Water is clear liquid diet. Um, you have like a the bolium b o u r l o n. Um, this can be for other animal b o u r l o n. It is a form of it is a form of clear liquid diet. You have water. You have like a the the broth. Clear broth. Now they have different kind of but clear broth is regarded as a clear liquid diet. You also have like a lemonade. Lemonade is regarded as a clear liquid diet. You have popsicle. Popsicle is regarded as a clear liquid. Now, when you remove the, the particle from the refrigerator from the refrigerator or from the ice box, it is not clear at that point in time because it's not transparent. But it said, clear liquid diet are diet that can also be liquid at the body level. So you can sort of suck on it. As you suck on it, it melts in your mouth. It becomes liquid. So it changes from solid to liquid through melting. Through melting. Now, this clear liquid diet also includes gelatin. Gelatin are clear liquid diet. You have hard candies. Hard candies are also clear liquid because the candies might not be transparent when it is uh, in its actual form, a solid. When you suck on the candy, it melts in the mouth, it forms liquid constituents. So that is considered as a clear liquid diet. 
you also talk about like you have a a, a regular coffee now if the coffee contains caffeine it is not considered a clear liquid so the one that is decaffeinated the decaf is considered as a clear liquid diet now um you want to make sure you limit caffeine intake and which can cause stomach upset um you want to make sure you the client may consume salt and sugar dairy products and fruit juices with pops are not clear liquid i repeat dairy products like milk and other pops fruits fruit juices are not clear like somebody you have like a any fruit juice is not clear liquid orange juice grapefruit juice grapes juice uh almond juice they are not clear liquid let's be clear on that in the end class when you see them they are not clear liquid now you want to monitor for the patient's hydration status that is their input and output their daily weight monitor for edema these are all signs and symptoms for either weight gain or weight loss related to fluid imbalance any question on clear liquid diet now the next one becomes food liquid diet food liquid diet now food liquid diet um may be used as a transition after surgery when we move from clear liquid the next stage is food liquid so after surgery the first day we do clear liquid diet the second after the second day we move to food liquid diet this can be used now this full liquid diet they are also deficient of energy they might contain small small nutrients but they also lack nutrients and calories this diet include opaque liquid and those that are liquid at body temperature Any question? Now, this full liquid, um, they are food that include full liquid include all clear liquid and items such as plain ice cream, sherbet, breakfast drinks, milks, puddings types soups that are strained refined coke cereal fruit juices strained vegetable juices are all called full liquid like uh, you have um you take pineapple juice take oranges and you you blend them you screen them they are considered as full liquid diet now if i'm saying this we have some oranges or tangerine or lemon you cut them into pieces those are not full liquid that's how we use the word strain you get these fruits you strain them or you blend them the, the liquid from those fruits become what we call food liquid you can get an apple an apple by itself is not liquid diet if it is blended it is strained it becomes a full liquid diet. That's the point I want to stress. Now, the use of complete nutritional liquid supplement is often necessary to meet nutrition needs for the patient on a full liquid diet for more than three days. So for almost three days, we can go and we can use it for three days. Now, let's remember what, what are the type of full liquid diets? What are the types of uh, clear liquid diet? Any question on full liquid diet? The next becomes mechanical diet. Mechanical diet. Now, for mechanical diets, um, 
these are full groups that have the, that have been mechanically altered in texture to require minimal chewing. They are used for patients who have difficulty in chewing, but can tolerate different variety of texture than liquid diet. Example: I pick up an apple. I cut the apple into pieces. I put it in a bowl. I chop the banana into pieces. I put it into, into a bowl. That is what we call mechanically altered diet. So for this individual who will eat the apple and chew the banana, they will not want to, to drink apple juice because they want to eat apple. So, they, so you can chop the apple into pieces and you can eat it because it is mechanically altered. That becomes a mechanical diet. Um, these individuals are individuals who have like a dysphagia or other sort of when they have like teeth problems. So because of these problems, uh, they can be regarded as a as 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 they can go on mechanical diet. Um, they might have head issue, neck problem, they might have a swallowing problem or chewing problem. They might also have um, so for this reason, they might require a taking liquid. If the client has swallowing difficulties now the texture in mechanical diet we are modifying two things we are modifying the texture of the food and also trying to like uh, modify um, the food constituency now want to make sure the texture is modified which depends on the individual needs including the period mash grind or chop so, period, mash, grounded, or ground food, chopped food, they are all for they all for on a mechanical diet. Take for example, when you I used to work at Divine Providence, we have some of our patients who did not have uh who who were on this mechanical diet, <clears throat> so we had machine to help them to make these that these food according to their needs. So those food we we, we make in that in like that. That's how they can eat. Now, because somebody who is uh, having dysphagia will still want to wake up in the morning and eat, uh, and eat a pancake. Still want to get in the morning and have uh, your syrup on your pancake. So there are ways we alter those different food kinds or food groups to meet the uh, to meet the needs of our patient. So these food groups, when they are altered, they fall on a mechanical diet. They chop, they blend it, they uh, period. Everything for under there. So the important point is to remember these names or uh, the, the names of the different food uh, groups and how they can be altered and what are the, 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 the what are the breakdown when they are altered. How why 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 what are the names given to it? Mashed potato is also a mechanical diet. Um, grounded beef, chopped pineapples, banana, they are all they are all mechanical diets. Food to be avoided in mechanically altered diet. There are food that you want to make sure you you avoid in mechanical altered diet. These foods include food to be avoided. Are you have like a you have dry fruits? Any dry fruits you want to avoid because it it it, it, it has a coarse texture which can cause constriction. It might get stuck in it patient firings which can cause choking hazard so you want to avoid these dry fruits you want to make sure you want to avoid um raw fruit also you want to avoid nuts like the almond or nuts you want to avoid them any tough food any smoked food any salted meat any food that, that, that has a coarse c-o-r-c-o-a-r-s-e any coarse texture those food groups or those foods need to be avoided because they are all choking hazard. Any question on this food? Then we move over to um, soft diet. Soft diet. For the soft diet, soft diet um, I use for people who have Difficult chewing, they cannot chew well. So these soft diets, um, patients who have ulceration, 
in the mouth they have gum sole, mouth sole, they have GI sole, or they have oral surgery, they have broken jaw, they cannot chew, um, they have like a dysphagia, they have a plastic surgery of the hair or the, or the neck. For these patients, they cannot chew, so they will take soft diet. Now, you want to make sure their mouth sole should be served full at a colder temperature. You cannot give them hot food. You want to make sure they have a uh, client who have these problems. Uh, you want to make sure you want to you want to give them food that will increase the, the salivary gland in their mouth that will help to suck or uh, other things like candies. You want to encourage them to eat variety of foods. Provide fluid for them when they are eating between meals to help them to swallow. Just drink fluid through a straw, which might be easier for them than cup or glass. So a straw could be used for them and it could serve them better compared to a glass or a cup to drink from. All of their foods, what we use on them to cook, like, like those different kind of seasonings, for them, um, they need to be very soft and they need to be very low. Because they are, we cannot give them spicy food. It's going to irritate the wounds or the soul. Food contains nuts, seeds, or that can that, that can trap in their mouth or in their throat or in, their, in the pharynx, those food can cause them discomfort. Those foods need to be avoided when they are going through this. Like raw food, raw vegetable, fried foods, whole grain should be avoided when you have these problems. Any question? I will leave you with I will leave you with uh, the other ones. Um, you can look up the low fiber diet look up on the high fiber diet and <clears throat> look up on cardiac diet <clears throat> excuse me look up on carbohydrate consistent diet fat restricted diet look up on high calorie high protein diet look up on sodium restricted diet and look up on uh, put on protein restricted diet now it is important to look up, to look up on each thing because every diet constituency has different regulations, different indications, and different nursing management. And in the NCLEX, um, these are things that are going to come in NCLEX in fundamental. And they are very important because just imagine how many group homes do you have in your area? How many nursing homes you have? How many hospitals do you have? Now, healthcare is a big thing. And patients who are fed mistakenly with the wrong food. It leads to lawsuit. So it is important that we know the different food constituency uh, for the anchor in for our own nursing life. Now let's look at one more, then we leave from this food in our water to, to enter our nutrition. Now let's look at gluten-free diet. Gluten-free diet. Gluten-free diet. Um, it is a diet uh, consistency that uh, this that uh, you want to make sure um, the food you give to the patient should not contain gluten. It should be free of gluten because uh, individuals who are gluten free want to consume gluten diet. It's gonna cause a condition that will cause like a little tiny holes or called fenestration on the intestines. With time, it builds up and it leads to a serious problem. Now, um, give me one second. Let me just pick up something for us to look at. Celiac disease are the ones that should go on gluten-free diet. That's why that's why I can put on. So when individuals have celiac disease, uh, C E L I A C celiac disease, um, they need to be gluten-free. Uh, for this condition, 
is also known as the celiac sprue. They are gluten intolerant. That is, they cannot consume certain proteins, which include wheat, barley, um, rare oats food. That is what we call um, the wheat. So they cannot consume wheat. W H E A T R Y E Ray. You have um oats. Then you also have uh barley. So the so the wheat, the oats, barley, and uh Ray, these are gluten intolerance food. Celiac disease results in the acquisition of amino acid glutamine. So, glutamine is one of those amino acids. Glutamine. So, glutamine it is an amino acid that contains in this in these food groups that we consume that builds up and cause celiac disease so for these individuals um celiac disease results in the inclusion of amino acid glutamine which can become toxic to the intestine and cause intestinal mucosa fenestration those smaller holes on the intestines and um, the intestinal villus atrophy occur which can affect the absorption of ingested nutrients um, the symptoms are most commonly seen between age 1 up to age 5. There is usually an internal, an, like an interval between 3 to 6 months. When people start to eat gluten, gluten diet, it takes 3 to 6 months for all the, for all the sort of diagnosis condition. 3 to 6 months when they are on gluten diet, that's when there's a time period. We begin to know the signs of this condition. So it is important that when they are on gluten free, or to restrict them from food that will begin to have gluten into their system or glutamic acid into their system, because they can develop some malignant lymphoma of the small intestines that can metastasize the other part of the body that can cause serious complications. That's why we want to make sure we do this on our assessment. They will have a diarrhea if they are on gluten diet. If they are gluten free and they are on gluten diet, they're gonna have diarrhea. They're gonna have stetorrhea. They're gonna have anorexia. They're gonna have abdominal pains and distension. Um, <clears throat> most of the time, the kids who have this celiac disease, they always have big abdomen because they cannot abide by being gluten free. So nowadays, you see most of the markets, most of the grocery store carry gluten-free materials. So it can cause distension of the abdomen, it can cause vomiting, anemia, irritability. Now, there is a complication with the kids who, have, who are, who are gluten-free and still consuming gluten food. So there is a complication called the celiac crisis so they can have a celiac crisis which can be a complication when they are on gluten diet in a celiac crisis um this individual will have uh they start to fast they'll have infection and they'll have ingestion of gluten this can cause profuse watery stool. So they will have profuse watery stool when they are having a celiac crisis, which can lead to dehydration and will cause electrolyte imbalances. So they will have severe, um, they will have severe diarrhea, which will lead to dehydration, and then they're going to have severe what? Acidosis, severe, they will have severe acid building up. So that's what happened here. So when that happens, they're going to have these symptoms occurring. Now, um, it is important that uh, when we have, when the patient has this condition, 
you want to make sure you stick to a gluten-free diet, a gluten-free environment. Um, you want to make sure you substitute corn, rice as green sources. You want to make sure you show the parents and a child about their lifelong gluten-free lifestyle. Um, you want to make sure wheat, rye, oats, and barley are completely out of their diet. You want to administer minerals and vitamin supplements because these things can help the wife metabolize these food groups to also save the patient. Um, like folic acid, fat-soluble vitamins. You want to teach the child and the parents about gluten-free diet and how they can read some other materials to help them minimize gluten in their food. Ensure the parent to measure the, the prevent ciliary crisis. They should know the symptom of ciliary crisis to help to prevent it. If it do or if if if, if it occurs, want to make sure to be able to recognize it very faster and put in prompt management. Any question on this food group? So you go ahead and look at the balance. The other one I talked talk about. Then. Uh, Any question? Then we have enteral feeding. What is enteral? Can someone tell me what is enteral feeding? Enteral feeding. What is enteral feeding? Okay, so enteral feeding is any food that we consume that is liquefied and we use the GI tract, it goes through the GI tract through a tube, meaning it is sent to the GI tract through a tube. It could be NG tube, it could be through a G tube, it is considered as well enteral feeding. Now, when the GI tract is functional, but Oral intake is not what we need. We go for enteral feeding. So the person can have a functional GI tract, but they are on and they are on a, they cannot go through they cannot go through their mouth. We do we use uh, enteral feeding. It can be used when a patient has dysphagia. They cannot swallow, but the GI tract is good. They have like a esophageal structures, so we can use a tube to help them to introduce feeding to the to the GI tract. These individuals with lactose intolerance need to be placed on lacto-free formula. So if they're on osmolites, if the osmolites is what they are and they're lacto-free, lacto-free or lack, they are lacto intolerance, want to put it on lacto-free uh, nutrition that can help them a lot. You want to go ahead and look at uh, the Piscatarian uh, diet the flexitarian diet, the semi-vegetarian diet, the vegan diet, the raw vegan or raw food diet, and the microbiotic diet. These are different dietary preparations that we need to have an idea on how, why, and the nourishment for these conditions. Any question? Parenteral nutrition um is described as nutrients that we introduce to the body through the veins that's parenteral nutrition so when we introduce nutrition to the body through our veins it's regarded as parenteral nutrition now um there are important information that we want to like, uh, understand about parenteral nutrition. One of the information is uh, it's the same as TPN, which we call total parenteral nutrition. It's the same. Uh, parenteral nutrition supplies the body with carbohydrates in the form of dextrose. So when you hear dextrose is carbohydrate, we say carbohydrate is sugar. And dextrose, dextrose 
It's, it's also a liquid form of sugar. So when you hear dextrose, it's the same as carbohydrates. So if you do, if, if, if you need direct carbohydrate that you cannot eat through your mouth, we give you dextrose to help keep you up the same as you eat other, uh, other, other food physically through your mouth. We also we can also we can also administer fats through other emulsified forms that the body might need. We can also administer proteins in the form of amino acids for the body. We can also administer vitamins to the body through parental nutrition. We can also administer minerals. We can also administer electrolytes and water through parental nutrition so everything we can use through enteral nutrition or through uh through the mouth can be introduced to the body through the parental route in any means now um for parental nutrition one of the advantages is it prevents sub fats formation because remember we said we can have fats Introduced to the body through parental nutrition, but it is an emulsified form of fat. So we have to emulsify the fats um, so that the body can be able to take it through parental, parental nutrition. So when you own parental nutrition, it, it, it decreases fats to build up in the body because the fat are already emulsified before it goes to the body. Um, and the muscle protein from being catabolized by the body for energy. Now, if there is a severe dysfunctional or there's a severe dysfunction or non-functional GI tracts that you cannot get food through your mouth, we go for parental nutrition. That's one. When a patient has multiple GI surgeries, um, multiple GI trauma, severe enteral intolerance that they cannot have anything through the mouth or through the GI tract, we go through. We, we go for parental nutrition. It can also occur when the patient has some bowel procedures that require us to wait until the bowel gets healed. With that, we can do parental nutrition. So, individuals who have severe nutritional deficits, like in the case of HIV and AIDS, in the case of burn, in the case of cancer condition, in the case of a chemotherapy, these individuals are malnutrition, they can also benefit from parental nutrition. Uh, parental nutrition is also a form of nutrition that is used when there is no other nutritional alternative. Other form of, of nutrition, such as oral or through the GI tubes, if those means are all depleted, we don't have any means to introduce food through those means, then we'll go to PN. So PN is the last means through which we use to uh through which we use to give our patient food. Now we have um the central vein. Let's talk about let's talk about, let's, let's talk about that. The central vein. We have the central vein. The central vein is one of the means we use to introduce parental nutrition. Um, when we require a larger amount of carbohydrates, any carbohydrate that contains more than 10% glucose, we use central line. Any carbohydrate group that is more than 10% glucose, um, we use the central lines to administer it because many it is kind of a hypertonic, so we cannot use the other per peripheral veins to administer. We use the central line to administer it. Now, the subclavian veins or the internal jugular vein is the incision incision point for central line access. It is used for short term intervention. Less than four weeks. These are important endless tips. For central line, we could use the jugular vein 
or the subclavian veins or jugular vein to introduce any fluid above 10% glucose that contains more than 10% glucose. And this fluid or this, this route is for short term. Short term means it's less than four weeks. So less than four weeks of nutrition with PM will use the central lamp. We might either use, um, there are two ways. We might either use the subclavian, the subclavian, or we can use the juggler vein, the juggler vein. Now, when we anticipate to administer parental nutrition, it is very much um, sometimes if meaning, meaning if we anticipate to administer parental nutrition that will go for over four weeks, a long-term parental nutrition, we go for a more permanent character because this is gonna be like that is direct. It go to the to the singers to the systemic circulation directly. So if it's for long term, what happens is like a, some of these central lines, they are more exposed to a lot of different conditions, infection, other conditions, and it goes to the heart directly. So if it's to be a long term treatment, we use a vein that would that would that would accommodate characterization. Example, we use a pig line, peripherally inside the character. So we, we use a pig line for long term. Pig line is used for long term. Now in the pig line, it's for long term. Um, you have we could use either a pig line, we could use a tunnel character, or we could use an implanted vascular device. So we could use the pig line. We could use an implanted vascular device vascular device or we could use um we we'll use the pick line or we we'll use the tunnel tunnel meaning it is um, it is placed in certain part of the vein like around the brachial vein it is tunnel it is threaded towards uh the venous cavers we could use that for uh, a long-term therapy with parental nutrition because the goal is to prevent, to provide less, uh, less, that's what I want to use, to provide less effect with uh, filtration and other problems that might come in with the tissue or tissue, that's what I want to use, like tissue becoming uh, 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 exposed to, to wearing off due to the, the high intensity of the, of the fluid. So when the fluid is hypertonic, it can cause tissue damage. So that, that's why I want to make sure we reduce um, the risk of doing that. That's one. Another one could be infection. Because with the central line, using the subclavian, the jugular vein, it exposes the body to a lot of different infection. Then, um, so those are what we talk about on a central vein. Then we have peripheral veins. So central veins can be, uh, we can use uh, the subclavian and the jugular veins. If it's for long term, we can use the pick line, implanted vascular device, or we use the tunnel character. These are for long term. For short term on a central line, you can use subclavian and jugular vein. Central line devices are used for any fluid that is hypertonic, that is above 10% glucose. They will use that use for central line. I want I want to understand these things they're gonna come in the ankle, it can be tricky. If you don't understand like that. Any question on this? Then we have the peripheral veins. Peripheral veins. Peripheral veins. Now the peripheral veins. Uh, can be administered through a peripheral, I'm sorry, peripheral veins, we can use peripheral veins to administer parenteral nutrition uh, in the arms or in the traditional intravenous character or through a midline character 
which is placed in the upper arm vein, such as the brachial or the cephalic vein, and then the tips ending below the level of the axillary line. That is the peripheral vein. So, like the normal V, the normal IV, you start in the brachial area, cephalic on the arm. It starts from the uh, from the shoulder coming down. You can start anywhere around there. You can also provide the same access point you want to you want to uh, access. Um, for these peripheral veins, we can administer parental nutrition through these veins that delivers low level fluid from the city. Like these veins will accommodate isotonic solution, isotonic solutions. Now, you should go ahead and look in your book and, and, and list for yourself which fluid will be under hypertonic that can be administered in the central line. That is in the subclavian, that is in the uh, in the jugular vein, that is it could be also in the pick line, it could be also in the tunnel line, or it could be in the implanted vascular device. So all these one under here, the four under hypertonic solution. Solution above 10% glucose are considered hypertonic, they are very strong, they are very, they are highly concentrated and they cannot go in smaller veins, they go in these veins. Now, then for the peripheral veins, the veins on the arm and other normal, all other traditional veins will use to start IV to take, body, to take blood specimen. These veins are smaller veins, these veins can use fluid that are Isotonic fluid, or we can also use mild, very mild hypertonic solution, very mild hypertonic solution in these veins. Now, in these veins, um, we cannot we cannot expose these veins to more concentrated fluid like we did to the central line. Central lines are bigger veins, they have stronger lumens, they have stronger walls, um, they can accommodate hypertonicity of these fluids, unlike these peripheral veins. Just so you know that. Um, when we when we administer this high Fluid condition in the peripheral veins, they can cause phlebitis, they can cause uh, sclerosis, they can cause swelling. So we must monitor for these complications if we admission this fluid. Any question? Any question? So you want to go ahead and look at those things. And look at um, look at the viral fluid and their different constituency. I mean, like look up in your in your notebook or look around Google. Look for hypertonic solution, hypertonic solutions, and the condition in which we can administer them. Look for hypotonic solution. And the conditions that require them to be administered, and look for isotonic solutions and the conditions that require us to administer them in. Those are things you want to know for the anklet. You want to know the to your fingertip for the uh, for the anklet. Now, we we have different forms of. Administration of this fluid. What's that, girl? This fluid. Okay. This uh, this right. fluid. Um, we have continuous parental nutrition. We have intermittent parental nutrition. Uh, like you have continuous nutrition. No, parental nutrition. You have intermittent parental nutrition. 
in general, um, the continual ones are infused continual over a period of 24 hours. So when one bag is finished, we hang another one until 24 hour period over. Now the intermittent one can be infused over 12 hours at night. Um, you want to allow the patient to, uh, on a long-term basis, to participate in activities of daily living without any inconvenience of the IV bed and the IV pump. Monitor the glucose level. Now, one of the things that's going to happen for these patients who are on continuous glucose or even intermittent, they're going to have, they'll be exposed to uh, blood sugar problem, either hypo or hyper. So that, that's why we cannot just remove them abruptly from on these PNs and put them on, on other food because the cells are used to having a particular amount of nutrition or nutrients or sugar being introduced to them on a regular basis. Now, when you eat the food, when you eat the, when you eat the cooked food in your mouth, you swallow it, it goes through the GI tract, it takes longer time for the cells to access these foods. But with the PN, it is direct access. If you go to the veins, as soon as they start to like enter into the vein, the cells have direct access to these foods. So the cells are the cell remains in that state of good sugar circulation and other things. So if you take them from on the PN, they might go into hypoglycemia right away and might cause them serious problem. See, look at that. So they can also have um um they can also have other problems. When, to make sure to discontinue this nutrition, you want to evaluate the patient status by a nutritionist, and this continuum is prescribed gradually. One, the, the flow rate is decreased one to two hours while we increase oral intake. For the ankles, a patient can be on PN and stay on oral intake gradually until we lower the rates of flow of the PN until the patient is introduced to a full oral intake of food. We cannot remove it abruptly. It's gonna cause serious hypoglycemia. Wanna encourage uh, oral, oral nutrition and other things as we go along. So they can also have with PN nutrition, they can also have other complications, the air embolism. So when we have air into the character, the air can go to the heart, it can cause or to the lung, it can call air embolism. Um, so want to make sure to check the connection that there's no air leakage. Uh, want to make sure to clean the character and make sure everything is cool. Another one is they could have hyperglycemia because of the high amount of dextrose they are receiving. They could be hyperglycemic. So we check for that. We make sure we begin the infusion at a slow rate between 5 to 60 ml. Want to make sure we check the blood glucose Every full of up. Now, you see, when you read these books, this time duration are very important for the ankles. They might ask you, a patient who is on prior nutrition, what is the time interval to check that blood glucose? Every four to six hours, we check the blood glucose. You can check the blood every four to six hours. Um, you want to make sure that these things are. Uh, you follow you follow the, the protocol of where you work and administer regular insulin if there's a need to do that. If they have hypoglycemia, um, you want to make sure mean they are receiving the IV too rapidly and the client will they will have heart condition, other things happening. With this, you want to increase the infusion rate if they're having hypoglycemia to catch up with the IV infusion to get better and to increase the blood sugar. You want to weigh the patient daily. An ideal weight gain is one to two pounds per week. If the patient gains one, one to two pounds, what do you question me? I asked that question the question the gun time. We saw that we saw that in the question, right? Uh, we saw a guy, a guy brought a question, we're trying to help him out. We had a question in there that said uh, the ideal weight gain. So the patient has uh, like heart problem and they gain up to one pound per week. That required us to go back and do more. We got to call the doctor. And then pump between one to two gain gain in a week period is not normal weight. So we have to check with the, with the HCP. So they can also have. No, I'm sorry. That is for hyper uh, hypervolemia. That is on a weight gain. 
And then when, for hypoglycemia, you want to make sure you do not abruptly discontinue the, 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 the fluid. Look at the blood glucose level and make sure it is done properly to, um, to prevent hypoglycemia. They might also be exposed to infection because of the prolonged use of those equipments which might expose their system to infection. So you want to use strict aseptic technique to administer this fluid to reduce bacterial growth when you are using this fluid. Um, and you have different complications in their management. You have the causes, the symptoms, the intervention. Take for example, like air embolism. In air embolism, um, it could be caused from opening and closing the catheter. Um, the air enters into the IV tube and stays in there. When the fluid starts to go, it dislodges and goes towards the lungs, which can cause air embolism. They will have this chest pain. They will have the feeling of apprehension. They're going to have dyspnea. They will have hypotension. They will have loud churn or churning sound in the heart. They will have rapid and weak pause. They will have respiratory distress. These are cardinal signs you know, for air embolism. So when that happens, what can we do? We want to clean the character. You clean the character. You place the patient in the left side line position or left lateral position and you make sure um the head is lower than the feet meaning you put it in a what in a reverse transcending position the head is lower than the feet that is a patient has air embolism you put the head downward the feet goes up which is a reverse transcending position then the next thing is you want to administer O2 so these are the management for this condition in, in your book. There are also preventive measures. You make sure all the character points are all well connected. There is no leakage. There is no hole to seek air to go in. You want to make sure you, you do um, everything that you need to know about this competition. They are all in your book. For hyperglycemia, you'll see it in the Sanders. You'll see it in the ATR. You will see hypervolemia in the Sanders in the ATR. You'll see hypoglycemia in both books. You'll see infection in both materials. So you need to go in and look at these complications, their signs and symptoms, their, the, cause, the, the causes, and look at the, the intervention. They are uniquely placed in the book. Any question? Any question?